Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 71st episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I'm excited to chat with Brandon after this week. Brandon has had an extensive background in marketing and promotions in minor league baseball while spending time with the Reading Phillies, Wilmington Blue Rocks, Frederick Keys, Gwinnett Stripers, and Charlotte Stone Crabs. He also has spent some time with the Lafayette Aviators and the Atlanta Hawks. Brandon is also a host of the Garbage Into Gold podcast, which is a Philadelphia 76ers podcast. That means we're going to be extra sad today. Um, This is the day after they lost in Game 7 to the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So um, we'll be drinking to that, of course. Uh, Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, everybody. There's 70 other fantastic episodes with amazing people that work in minor league baseball with so many different backgrounds and stories. Um, There's something for everybody back there, I promise. If you want a shout-out, that's pretty simple, folks. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I really can't stress this enough. I know y'all listen to it on Spotify and other platforms, but please drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at it's R.A. Kuhn, that's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N, for all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. With that being said, let's chat with Brandon Apter. Brandon, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. We'll get into your minor league baseball career in a second, but what is it like being a 76ers fan right now in the Atlanta area? Um, Surprisingly not terrible. Uh, Luckily... The vast majority of people that I know that are Hawks, Hawks fans, and you know, since I work there part time, I know a lot of people that are full time Hawks fans and everything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not been it's not been too bad. Uh, luckily, I don't have too many friends that are diehards, so I don't have anybody really bringing me about it or anything. Just a couple of people via text that I've been talking about, uh, I've been talking to, but you know, it's it's not terrible. You know, unfortunately, we're just put in this situation year after year. We go into an off season with so many questions left unanswered. It's just a pain in the ass. It's, it's far worse being like a Phillies fan in Braves country than it is being a 76ers fan. <laughs> that, um, that's probably any, true. Any day of the week. But, uh, yeah, you know, just trying to keep the spirit high after another Game 7. Just Yeah. 
Yeah, man, that that game. We're recording this on Monday, June twenty first, so it's the day after the seventy sixers lost to the Atlanta Hawks in game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, man, that was tough to watch. Um, you know, as a Philly sports fan, you'd think I'd get used to it, but I never do. Um, but so this is a little last bit. Last night was the first time. Last night was the first time where I felt used to it, which I feel like <laughs> is a bad sign for things to come. But I felt very used to it. I was just like, you know, I don't have to watch this anymore. We were talking about it before we started recording, but I was just like, I'm, I'm glad I get a few months off of not having to watch them dribble the basketball until there's four seconds on the shot clock, and then just hope something happens. So. Yeah, yeah, and you are also a co-host of the Garbage Into Gold podcast, which is a Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Um, so I don't know if you want to say anything about the podcast now or you want to wait until the end to plug it, um, but I did listen to the last episode, which was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, you know, the last episode uh, after Game 7, you know, it was 11 p.m. at night. Um and it was called Same Shit, Different Year. So just raw, raw reactions to everything that happened. Uh, you, know, you can check check out Garbage Into Gold on all, all, all of your podcast platforms. Perfect. Um, and so this is a little bit strange because um, you actually work for the Hawks on their entertainment game day staff. Um, so... How was that, you know, rooting for the other team, you know, in, in that series? Um, well, I, I can't, I, all I will say is I, I didn't get to work any of the games that the Sixers played in okay. Atlanta just because the COVID stuff for the game day entertainment staff is restrictive enough to where they don't need the normal amount of people working games that they usually would. Okay. Um, so I, I had an opportunity to, to, work a couple of the games when the Hawks played the Knicks in the first series. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I think it's one of those things where in minor league baseball, a lot of people tell you like, don't, don't go overboard with your fandom. Like mm-hmm. it's just not something that you really want to do. You could be a baseball fan, but like, don't be like, Oh my God, this guy's rehabbing. No way. I'm so excited. I want his autograph. Right. Um, so it's just, it becomes that thing where I've worked in sports for so long that it's just second nature, I guess. But I worked with a lot of great people over there, and um, yeah, they have a lot of fun young talent to watch. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it hasn't it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been bad. I'm happy for my friends that are Hawks fans, and right, we'll see what happens when they go up against the Bucks. It's fun job though. Fun job though. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it is. Um, I have a lot of friends. You know, I li- I worked for Beloit out there in Wisconsin, um, so I have a lot of friends that are Bucks fans. Um, been to a few Bucks games myself, so um, that'll be an interesting series to watch. So, um, but but so you're out. You're out of sports now, as as far as your full time gig goes. So, what's it like working outside of baseball and sports after eight years in minor league baseball? Adjustment, I think. Uh, I miss the fast paced. Uh, aspect of working in minor league baseball full time. I feel like 
it's I mean it's harder working a desk job. It just is when mm-hmm. when during your time in minor league baseball in marketing community relations if you're not working a game you're out in the community doing something yeah and sure you'll have those slow off-season days but it's like you're you're at a ballpark and everything like that so right no it's different but i i don't hate it you know it's it's i enjoy the opportunity to have a, a personal life i feel like through my nine years in minor league baseball that i didn't have an opportunity to to really have a personal life i was so focused on my career and uh, loved every second of it for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now working in higher education, it's, it's very, very different because minor league baseball, it's very think outside the box and, and higher education is more to the belt, you know, like, like tied to the tied to the belt in terms of what you can be creative with. So yeah, uh, it's been an interesting path of switching industries. Um, but I've learned a lot really. And uh, it, it's fun being a part of a campus community. It makes you feel like you're part of a community. And I think that's similar to minor league baseball in yep. a lot of ways. But uh, it's different. Uh, I miss parts of it. I don't miss other parts of it. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I work pretty much, I would say probably about 90, 95% of desk job now. Um, and sure, like when you work in baseball, you spend plenty of time at your desk. But um Man, you know, sitting there for, you know, eight straight hours a day, I tell you what, my back hurts more sitting at a desk than it than it ever did, you know, working in baseball um, and, like, you know, lifting things and moving things and, you know, pulling the tarp, all of that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I do miss some, some aspects, but like you said, like, I do enjoy, you know, having more of a personal life. Um, I've gone to the beach, I've gone to the pool, I've done, I've, you know, gone to more weddings, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, but, but yeah, I mean, quitting minor league baseball allowed me to do this podcast, so, um, that's a, that's a blessing, um, but, but yeah, there are a lot of things that I miss as well, for sure. Yeah, I definitely feel more out of shape. Yes. Because I feel like, oh, you know, I don't like pulling tarp, but at least it made me feel like I was doing something physical. And mm-hmm. I get up and walk around campus when it's nice outside. You know, I live in the south now, so the southern heat during the summer, it makes it a little bit more difficult to do that. Right. Um, but I do miss, you know, I, I'm in my early 30s and I have like a cushion for my lower back. So, I mean, I think that should tell you enough about what it's like from going to baseball going from baseball to um to something else and not being like a crossfit junkie or something like that yeah i shit you not i have a pillow for my lower back too so oh nice uh, and i'm in my early 30s as well so um (laughs) we're doing fine we're doing fine (laughs) yeah just a couple of podcasters with um bad lumbar support (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, man. A, we need both of our both of our podcasts. We need to get a lumbar support sponsor or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's let's jump into the minor league baseball questions. Um, as you know, most job uh, descriptions end in other duties as assigned in minor league baseball. So I'd like to ask, what is the most other duties as assigned moment? What, yeah, what is the most other duties as a sign moment in your minor league baseball career? 
So I was talking about this with my wife before I started recording, and there's like a handful because, as I'm sure you've heard with so many of the other interviews that you've had and from your experience in minor league baseball, uh, that there are so many other duties as assigned. Yes. Um, you know, in Frederick, one of the things that I was not uh, thinking that I would do would be running a half mile in a race with kids around a track in a mascot costume. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> that was pretty miserable, I'll say. Um, yeah. I think the one that a lot of people will agree with me with is I will be okay if I never see another fireworks show because picking up firework debris is the single most, uh, single worst thing that I've done. And when I worked in Port Charlotte, because they had spring training fields. Mm -hmm. Um, so the way that the stadium was is the wind blew it back on the, on the fields in the back. So we Mm -hmm. didn't have any lights to pick up the fireworks. So we were bringing out our two stadium ops golf carts and using those headlights to pick up firework debris on the backfields of the spring training complex. Um, And so I'm sure you can imagine in in Southwest Florida, what the mosquitoes are like down there. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was pretty, pretty wild. And the other one, the only other one I can think about is, um, you know, one of my first mascot birthday parties that I went to, I think it was a pretty surreal moment when you're in a room with like a mascot head off and there are 17 other mascots in there just like shooting the shit, <laughs> saying yeah. mascot stories from from <laughs> their career. Like it's just a very weird moment that you never think that you're going to be in as a college student being like, I'm going to work in sports. And then there you right. are without a mascot head talking to other mascots just in a room. Yeah. Um and, and I would say that most people that work in minor league baseball have been in the mascot costume. And but and you alluded to, you know, um, running a half a mile with kids. I, I think I, I didn't run a half a mile, but I, I did, like, start a 5K or something like that mm-hmm. um, as, as a turtle, nonetheless. Um, and then there was one time... <laughs> That I had to do a in be- so it's it was a hockey game so in between the periods I had to do a promotion where we played broom hockey on Ooh. on the ice where it was so there was another mascot that was for the ice hockey team who had skates I did not have skates but I was also playing with with kids and I like accidentally checked one of the kids. I was the goalie. Like, I think I accidentally like came out, came out too far, but like people don't understand like that you can't really see a whole lot that's going on in those mascot costumes. And I, there was probably like, I want to say 7,000 people at this, at this game. And I, yeah, I accidentally wiped a kid out when I was in, and I was just sliding around. Like I'm, I'm, I can't skate to begin with, you know, like let alone like, you know, try to get around in a mascot costume on ice. Yeah. The mascot sports are like what you think will be fun, but aren't actually for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was with the keys, I remember going to uh, Towson university in Maryland uh, as the keys mascot and competing in 
uh, mascot football. Now, the thing is, you weren't going up against other mascots. You were going up against peewee football kids <laughs> in full pads. Oh and this mascot costume in Frederick was the only... Prote- there was no protection. It wasn't one of those ones that had, like, a fat suit or anything. It was yeah. just a jersey, pants, mascot shoes, and a gigantic head. Yeah. So it's just like... I'm in my early 20s just getting decked by Pee-wee eight kids. or nine, nine-year-old kids in full football uniforms. Man. Uh, yeah, and I know what you get. Yeah, what's it called? I worked uh, a season with a minor league hockey team in Georgia, and I, I was like a spider for a mascot race around the ice. Um, and, and on the ice with no skates is like the, the worst. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Have you worst. ever been handed an infant, though? I got handed an infant once when I was rocking yes. the Blue Winkle in Wilmington, Delaware. Yes. Saw nothing. First mascot appearance. They were just like, here, can you hold my infant so I can take a picture? Yeah, I did get that one time. I, I, I believe one time. Yeah, that's terrible. Like, like I said, you can't really see a whole lot. And, like, you can't really feel what's going on. It's, yeah, that that's a bad idea. Don't do that, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the guests that you had on a couple weeks ago, Adam Pohl, we were talking about it a little bit mm-hmm. beforehand, was my boss for three years, he and I, him and I keep in touch, and he'll remember this story, but my first ever mascot appearance uh, in Frederick, a week or two after I got hired there, uh, we were doing a parade in the downtown area at night, right, be- right before uh, the holidays, mm-hmm. and um, I was in the parade, he was handing out flyers, and I get to the end of the parade route, and he's just nowhere to be seen. And I'm just in the middle of the street in a mascot costume with a 20-pound helmet. Uh, no idea where. So I'm just like there wandering around the area. And 25 minutes later, here comes Adam Pohl uh, with no more flyers left in his hand. So I appreciate the dedication. But I remember just being so lost because New City had no idea where I was. Just right. standing there with no idea what to do in a mascot costume at night, nonetheless. Oh, and my it's just gosh. Like hard to see plus nighttime. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to get in any mascot costumes anymore. That's that's for sure. Uh, so what's the strangest thing you've had to assist with during a game? I know that you were the on-field MC for a while. Um, I'm, I, I really can only imagine. Um... I'd say the strangest thing that I've had to assist with, uh, gosh, there are a lot of them. I mean, I think when I was in Port Charlotte, and I feel like this isn't strange, but the people that did it were strange. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe that makes it strange, but, you know, you have proposals and everything, so... It's the minor league season in the Florida State League. You know, there's maybe a couple hundred people there on a on a good night, and this this guy wanted to propose to his um, fiance and everything. And you know, it was it's one of those moments where I was just like, do you, "Are you sure you want to do this on a Monday night? There's not really going to be a crowd here. Right. There's nobody going to be to react, yeah, or anything like that." So we brought him down and, and did like a full run through of how it would go. We did it during trivia. Um, where we went through two, three questions. The first two were regular, and the third one was, will you marry me? 
and everything like that. So we ran through the script like three times, and then when it actually happened, he didn't even look at the camera. Uh, and uh, his entire, like when he got down on one knee, his entire ass crack was facing the crowd. And what we try to do is face them to the side so you can see <laughs> both of them. Yeah, yeah. But he faced completely towards the video board. Uh, and so the camera just talk, caught like the side of his ass cheek and he was just pre pretty much mooning the entire <laughs> first base line of seats. Uh, and uh, so I congratulated them and everything afterwards, but I feel like, you know, it's not really strange to see a proposal, but to see a proposal that also involved a full mooning of the crowd, it was just not something I really expected to happen. Yeah, that's, oh man, that... That's a first. I, I haven't heard that one before. Wow. That's drunk dizzy batters are always also fun to deal with. Yes. That's that's for sure. Um I and I know that you um were involved in a lot of promotions, obviously, um mm -hmm. in your years. What's the best and worst promotion that you've been a part of? I think the best one that I've been a part of was probably Clue Night with the Frederick Keys. Okay. It was in 2012. Um, we just trying to figure out ways to get people to the ballpark and get them engaged in the entertainment during the week. I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday night. And um, our team, it was me and two or three other people. Um, that wrote out the script for the storyline. You know, our mascot, Frankie, who was Fra Francis Scott Key, who was buried across the street. You yeah. know, that's the guy who wrote the national anthem and everything. So mm -hmm. we had the, you know, one of the big president's heads of him. So he got killed, killed, okay. in quotes, yep. which people were not happy about that we killed the mascot. Not a great example to set for the kids in the community. <laughs> um, so, you know, we wrote out an entire script, printed out clue sheets with, you know, all of the clue characters, the weapons, the locations. We had our interns and our full-time staff dress up as uh, characters from clue. We did on the, uh, on the dugout interviews, you know, video, video board spots, eliminating people. And then we had a big reveal where uh, Colonel mustard got taken away in handcuffs, which was pretty cool, but it was just nice to see one of those things that is an idea in the off season really come together and, really go off without an issue at all. I, okay. I think with now nice. minor league baseball's two minutes and 15 seconds in between the innings, I'm not sure if it would have been possible now. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And we did like a post game. Uh, we did a post promotion video on it. And uh, I got nominated for a golden bobblehead award. Didn't Ooh. win, unfortunately, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. So anybody's interested in that you can just search frederick keys clue night on youtube it's still up there okay and um it was nice after after that um after that promotion in years after that other people started to do clue night so you knew people saw it they enjoyed it and then they started doing it too so it's always nice to be able to do something successful and see other people do it as well yeah that's um, cool. the worst one I feel I, I feel like the worst one was just like really bad luck. But when I was interning with the Wilmington Blue Rocks in 2010, uh, we had a Michael Jackson tribute night that was postponed. 
And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it ended up getting postponed to the same night as a, uh, what's it called, Scout Sleepover. So when you have the combination of Michael Jackson night and Scout Sleepover, not great. And I think we uh, noticed that a little bit (laughs) too late. We didn't catch a lot of heat because, like, a lot of heat because of it. Um, We had a couple people mention it to us at the box office that night, and then I remember talking about it afterwards. I laugh about it now, but it was just pretty, pretty bad luck to be in the middle of the game being like, oh, this is probably a horrible idea. But my boss was already dressed up as Michael Jackson and had white face paint on and everything. So, uh, so no backing uh, out there. That is hilarious, actually. I mean, yeah, there's just some things you just don't really, like, think about. You know, but, man, that that's actually pretty funny. Um, and I, so I got a notification just now from Bleacher Report. And you, of all people, will appreciate this. Uh, the title is Simmons May Flip Shooting Hand. 76ers, oh boy. 76ers star changing his dominant shooting hand from left to right is on the table. <laughs> you cannot make this shit up. You just can't. That's all I can say. You know, we were through the entire... Markel Fultz saga yep. of him literally forgetting how to shoot a basketball. Yep. And uh, now we have a point guard who cannot sh- shoot a free throw, will not dunk a ball when you're up by two in the game seven of a, of a playoff series. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, now we don't know if he's ambidextrous. We don't know if he's left-handed or right. You know, it's all, it's all terrible. And I hate it. But go Sixers. Yeah. Can't wait for next season. Yeah. Can't, can't wait. Exactly. I mean, so, like, I think predominantly he's he's left-handed, but he has shown streaks where he can, he can do a lot of things right-handed, like, athletically. So, I don't... That's mind-boggling to me. But, anyways, I just figured you would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. I just don't want to see any summer workout videos of him shooting three pointers. Oh it'll, my it'll gosh! Be, throw up all over the place if I see that nonsense. <laughs> I agree. I will too. Um, so you you probably ran you know team social media accounts and stuff like that. Um, so and and minor league baseball like don't get me wrong like the fans and the community is a great thing but it's also it also plays host to a lot of weird and strange people and occurrences and that kind of stuff so what is the weirdest social media message that you saw while running a team account uh when i was working with braves we had one girl constantly whenever this player did well uh pretty much slid into his dms but pretty much like do it through facebook comments mm-hmm. so she posts very like sexual things on okay. on the uh on the facebook account and uh, that was probably the weirdest and, and ones you know that you chuckle at but it's also just like keep it in your pants lady yeah it's just a baseball player and then uh the the only other ones 
I didn't get really too many weird ones. I think there are just a lot of people that don't understand, like, hey, we don't control postponing a game. Like, right. That's just like, well, I don't know what time the fireworks are going to start. It's a baseball game. You know, yeah. that stuff. People mistake the Frederick Keys for a locksmith probably more times than I can count. So there are okay. a lot of messages that we got being like, hey, I locked my keys in my car and we're, we're curious, like, what your process is of helping us do that. I'm just like, man, we're not. We're a baseball team. We are not a locksmith. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's okay. I didn't think of that one. That mm-hmm. I I always like to refer back to this. This is this is like um, so the Peoria Chiefs. I had their longtime broadcaster Nathan Believa on as a guest, and he said that people would all you know like Patrick Mahomes would throw a touchdown pass, and people would tag the Peoria Chiefs in their tweet and he he was like i don't understand like the word peoria is in our handle i don't understand how you can think that you're tagging the kansas city chiefs you know but yeah that was tough with the gwinnett braves you know we had a lot of people would be asking atlanta braves questions and we walk and deliver pocket schedules and then be like is it oh you're not the real braves thanks a lot (laughs) it's a monday thanks a lot for making my monday great lady Working at a McDonald's, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's like that um, that movie. What is it? I can't remember what it's called. The oh, the King of Staten Island, and he's like, he's like, hey, you want to come tonight? I got Yankees tickets, and he's like, you got Yankees tickets? And he's like, well, <laughs> Staten Island Yankees. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, social media is strange. There's always those cleat chasers, man. Like, and, and wherever you go, and like, even in little small towns like Beloit, Wisconsin, there's there's cleat chasers out there. Yeah, man. yeah. I mean, they're they're everywhere, and it, good good for them for chasing those cleats. But it's it's a lot, very unfortunate when one of those people chasing the cleats is one of your game day interns. It's happened a few times. Yes, that has happened quite a few times, I would say, in my career. So, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So, And I think that's, yeah, at least like when I started in minor league baseball in 09, I think that's why a lot of, like, it's not any way like this now, and I, and I love that it's like this, but I feel like um, women got such a bad rap because yeah. that, that was just how, the, how they were thought of. Yeah. And now you... You could probably list twenty or thirty teams that have female GMs, female AGMs, and, yeah. and it's great. Um, but it's unfortunate that it took so long to get to the point of them not being viewed as like people that are working in sports just to sleep with players because it's ridiculous. The majority of the <laughs> the ninety nine point nine percent of the people, the women I've worked with, have never done that. They're just yeah, you know. yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate when you have like a game day staff member or an intern or something like that, and it it turns around like that. Try to, yep, bend down that road, and um, yeah, it's not ideal. You don't want to have to deal with that. But um, but obviously, you know there there are fantastic women out there that work in the industry um, that that would never even entertain the idea because their career is way more important and, and you know mm-hmm. and that all that kind of stuff and it's just it 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 
it's just like, you know, that, that 0.1%, you know, sticks in your mind rather than the 99.9%. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I certainly don't think it's that way anymore. No, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, never fun conversations to have when, when you have to deal with that stuff. Absolutely. Never, never fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's for sure. But, um, so let's see here. Uh, so you do a lot of graphic design and stuff and, um, I did as well. Um, but judging by your, uh, designs, you were much better at it than I was. So, um, what is the coolest promotional item that you ever designed? Um, hmm. This is a tough one because I feel like the main promotional items and everything that get designed, you know, are bobbleheads of players. And we don't really do much in designing that. You know, it's boxes. I don't know if you remember when McDonald's sold like the Allen Iverson banks. So it was Allen Iverson standing next to his Philadelphia 76ers uh, locker, uh, and you could put money in the locker. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had that at my house in suburbs of Philadelphia for a while. I think I have it uh, here at my bobblehead shelf now. Uh, but I just I just love that, and I wanted to do something different than a bobblehead. People love bobbleheads, but people mm-hmm. love something unique. So when I was with the Gwinnett Braves, I pitched the idea of doing a uh, chopper, who's their mascot, bobblehead. So it's pretty much exactly what the Iverson one is. It's the G-Braves mascot. Now the Gwinnett Strikers mascot. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looks pretty much just exactly like the Allen Iverson. And it's a bobblehead, unlike the so was It was cool because that was the Iverson one was really one of the first, first bobblehead-esque sort things that I had ever collected. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was cool to think of that idea and see. It look, I mean, I think it looks really cool. I really liked it. Alright, very cool I, I do like that idea for sure um, So I know that you oversaw a lot of game day staff And um, that can be definitely rewarding and frustrating at the same time But what's the worst excuse that a game day staff member ever used to call out of work? I think the worst one was probably an honest one where somebody just called out of work because they didn't want to work inflatables. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, when you have a team that I work with, uh, when I work with the Port Charlotte team, you know, you just don't have a large budget to have a large intern team or game day staff. We only have three or four people that uh, work there, and a couple of them were just teenagers in high school. And, yeah. Uh, so. They're just figuring out their professional selves and everything like that. So, you know, I got a call from one of them and they were just like, hey, I'm sorry, this is really last minute, but I just really don't want to work inflatables. It's just like Saturday night, you know, we could we really need the people to work. Yeah. They were just like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And they just hung up. Wow. And uh, that was that. Wow. Um, they couldn't have come up with anything. Unfortunately, better. I just don't. I just don't, uh, I mean, I admire their honesty. Yeah. Because if they were just like, I'm sick, you, you, you just yeah. never know. So at least they were just like, I don't want to do it. And, you know, and, and 
these days with high school kids, you just never know what's going on if it was a mental health thing or, or anything like that. So, yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't one to like fire somebody after doing that, especially because I probably wouldn't have been able to have the budget to hire somebody else. Mm. Um, but yeah, good for honesty, bad for my Saturday night short staff staff. Right, right. If if I were them, I definitely would have come up with something, like just other than I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, working inflatables is terrible. It was like uh, when I worked in Reading in my internship in two thousand nine. I hated, like, I hated working that stupid wheel, mm. wheel of fun. You know, it's in every minor league baseball stadium. This one was attached to like old VW bus, budgie corded, and if somebody spun it too hard, you'd be like, don't spin it too hard because it's not like glued onto there. It's not sturdy. And then one kid would spin it, it would fall off, and I spent five minutes. Man. You know, I'll have those inflatable like jobs that are just worse. Oh, yeah. The, the inflatables, yeah. They're. I, I mean, I don't really blame them, honestly, but, but goodness, like, come up with at least a, a little bit better of an excuse. Yeah, um, I accepted explosive diarrhea. Very yeah. Full of that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Man. If they're listening. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> well, let's be fair. Like, that person probably isn't working in minor league baseball anymore. So, but anyway. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so. I know I've had some pretty weird interactions with fans, but um, considering that you were on-field MC and all that stuff, what is the weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan? I mean, there are so many weird ones, but I think the weirdest one was also super awkward. Um, I was working in Frederick. We had this really... I don't know if I've worked there before probably know what I'm talking about. We had this race around the bases where somebody had to control a remote control car that didn't have much distance. And the driver, I don't know, nine times out of ten, it died around second base and barely didn't have to So anyway, um, the awkward part is that early on in my MC career, I had some trouble remembering exact names and information. Okay. So instead of being like, hey, what's your name? Like, what do you do? Where are you from? I would ask them beforehand. I'd be like, hey, I'm here with this person. They are from this place. Yeah. So this guy was uh, in the armed forces, and I mentioned that he was from the wrong, like the wrong branch. Oh. Like one of the branches that don't get along with okay. each other. Yeah. Um, and so he took the microphone said, no, I'm actually from this branch. I might have insulting that he would think I was from oh. it's just like, okay, you have 30 seconds to get this car around the bases. Like, yeah, I didn't really know what else to say there. He was pretty pissed off and, and went to, to the customer service to complain about it afterwards. And I didn't really hear from anything. I didn't get like reprimanded or anything. Right. Yeah, I guess at that point in time, I was just like, you're all protecting our country. You don't have to get, like, so butthurt about it. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, like, a weird interaction, but it was super awkward. But, I mean, I've gotten my ass smacked before 
you know, there's there's everything. When you're an on-field MC, you have people take up way too much time introducing themselves. There's there's so much. That that one sticks out as as the most awkward. Yeah, that that is pretty awkward, man. Uh, goodness, yeah. I wouldn't wish that on on anybody, really. But um, goodness, man. So this is the pulling tarp podcast. Do you have any wild tarp stories in your in your career? When I was working in Frederick, you know, you'll have some of those tarp poles where the wind gets the best out of you. Yeah, I was pulled probably five six feet up in the air then kind of fell back down it wasn't super high you know just i'm about five nine so being pulled up to like what a basketball net is really yeah so it just kind of i'm a skinny guy i'm like five nine hundred forty <laughs> so e- easy for that to happen and i just think that there were way too many times especially in florida when it rained 3 p.m pretty much before every single game uh, it's very frustrating to get the tarp on or get the tarp called during the game from the umpires too late to where we couldn't even get the tarp over the first baseline. So we'd get like an automatic postponement. Yeah. And uh, there was one time where they suspended it. We waited an hour and 35 minutes and the umpires came back out and checked the field after the grounds crew did all this work, putting down the uh, dirt and everything to get everything back up to playing. And then they banged the game. So it's all that work, waiting all that time, fans, everything like that, just for them to be like, no, we're not. Uh, so. Yeah, that's... I don't think anybody has good tarp stories. It's all, it's all terrible. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. I can't remember, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, nobody enjoys doing tarp. It's, it's just... I don't know. There are some times where, you know, now that I'm out of baseball, I'm like, you know, like I could I could do it a good tarp pool, but there, there are no good tarp pools. So especially so. not the 8am ones when you get a text from the GM being like, Hey, it's going to rain, come in for an early tarp pool and you don't have to be in until 10 Ooh. that day. Oh yeah. I mean, it was more 7am than anything. Uh, um, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't miss that at all. Trust yeah, me. The one, the ones where you pull it and then it doesn't rain at 7am. Yeah, exactly. Those, yeah, and I think, again, like, a lot of people don't realize how heavy that is. Mm-hmm. Like, when it when it torrentially downpours, it it's is extremely so hard. hard. No matter if you have, like, four or five bodybuilders, like, yeah. it is so hard to pull that thing off, especially in the heat when the non-wet parts are sticking to the ground. It's yeah. very difficult. Oh, yeah, extremely difficult. I gained no muscle, though. Still, <laughs> still a stick. so your twitter profile says that you are a board game geek I would like to do, and I did no preparation for this. I should have, but okay. Let's. So I don't know if we want to do a a draft of our top board games. Like, okay. what do you what do you think? Like top four or top five? 
Um, I mean, we could do top five. That, okay. that works for me. I'm okay. gonna. I didn't prepare for this either. Well, I, I kind of did, but I don't. I don't have like a specific order. Okay. Of it. So I, I'm gonna do my best. Okay. I'm gonna perfect. do my best. All right. You go first since you're the guest. I guess I'm not gonna do this in any specific order, because okay. we'll do it draft style in that. Well, I guess that's not draft style. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna go for it. All so right. one of my top, okay, my top five, I would say, the fifth favorite game is. I'm looking at my board game geek list here. I have a list of games that we own. Um, I would probably have to say right now it's probably a game called uh, Cthulhu Death May Die. Whoa. It's like super. We're, we're into like the very nerdy board games, like the hobby strategy board games. So okay. this one, um, you are investigators trying to get through rooms and uh, disrupt like the Elder One rituals of Cthulhu and other Elder Ones. Uh, and so as the game goes deeper you your character gets more and more insane and you roll dice to battle you know the the cultists and everything like that and it's like an immersive like movie-esque experience it's 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 pretty cool and has some sick miniatures uh that i couldn't paint for the life of me but uh yeah that would probably be my number five right now okay i so i've never heard of that game um (laughs) but I'm going to go with more of the mainstream. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Monopoly. Okay. 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 All there, right. There's a million different um, versions, but I'm going with the original. Okay. Um, you're probably not going to know my number four, but it's a game called Dice Throne, and pretty much how I will describe it is Battle Yahtzee. You, or you are a okay. character. They have... Uh, about 16 different characters you can choose from, and they have their own little boards. Depending on your role combinations, you can do different attacks to attack your opponent and get their health down to zero. Uh, super fun. Over the pandemic, my wife and I um, took up board gaming as, as one of our hobbies, and it's been a lot of fun, and this has sure. been uh, one of the most fun ones. We did a whole bracket and everything back last year and everything, and still play it today, so it's a lot of fun. Okay. I... And and I loved playing this game. It's it's so simple, and so I got it. So back backstory, I moved when I moved to the Midwest to take a job for the Beloit Snappers. The only way I could financially make that work was that for the first six months I lived in my cousin's basement, and he he lived in Rockford, Illinois, which is. 30 minutes from Beloit, and um, so I I stayed in their finished basement, and at the time, my two little cousins, um, they were six and three, and so, of course, I brought gifts when I moved, when mm. I moved into their house, and the gift that I brought them was Trouble. Oh, yeah. And... It's a good one. They loved Trouble. Uh, we would, we would, they would wait for me to come home from work so that we could play trouble. Um, so obviously a lot of good memories there, but, um, it's, mm. it's so simple and yet so fun. I'm going with trouble for number four. Yeah. My, uh, nostalgic ones probably with my dad is probably Parcheesi. That was Ooh. the one that I always played as a kid. Okay. Um, that I really, really liked. Um, 
So what are we at? Number three? Yeah. Um, I'd probably say my three right now is one called Hive. It's it's pretty much like bug chess. Uh, so you, each each has like twelve tiles with different bugs on them that have different abilities. Like in chess, like one can move on top of the hive, uh, one can move around the tiles, and everything like that. Um, and when we went on our honeymoon in May. Uh, it was one of the games that we uh, bought because it's is easily um, traveled with. So we got the pocket version of it and went and played it in the hotel lobby nearly every night that we were there. So it was it was a lot of fun, you know, a quick one. And if you're a fan of chess uh, or even aren't a fan of chess, but like uh, short thinky games, uh, I definitely recommend that one. Okay. All right. I like it. I am going... So... Now, I have a nephew, because I got married as well, um, and so our favorite game to play is Candyland. Um, it, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Um, yeah, just, that's a, that's a classic, Candyland. I'm going that with my number three. Okay. Jeez, uh, I feel like such a nerd having to explain all of these ones that <laughs> I have here. Um, so, so my number two game is one called Cubitos. Ooh. Uh, so it is a push your luck racing game. And, uh, you take, you pretty much take on the role of participants in the annual cube cup. And so, um, you have different dice that you can buy throughout the game that allow you to move along the racetrack. Um, and, um, you pretty much, it's the first one to the finish line wins and each dice has a different ability, you know, roll, um, you know, if you, if you roll a certain side of the die, you can move three spaces instead of two. So it's one of those games that people call, I guess, like a gateway game. It's, it's pretty simple to teach to people that might not be like big into hobby board gaming, but it's a lot of fun. And we've played it with a few friends now and, and really has become one of our favorites. Okay. I like it. Uh, my next one and I play this with my with my mom a lot. I don't see her very often because she lives in Pennsylvania. Um, but our go to is Scrabble. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Scrabble. A lot of you know my my mom doesn't um, she doesn't drink a lot. She you know she is very a stay at home type of person. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't go out and do a lot of social things, but um, so I would I would say Scrabble um is is our game there. So yeah, we have one called Bananagrams. I don't know Ooh. if you've heard of that one. I have not. Uh, it's like Scrabble without a board. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I'm terrible at Scrabble because I'm not. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> Those type of games aren't good, but Bananagrams is like a fast, no board Scrabble, which I'm okay with. But yeah, okay. Yeah, my mom loves Scrabble too. She was a Scrabble, Scrabble and Boggle were her two. I don't remember how Boggle worked. I just remember you had all those dice that had letters in it in yeah. one of the cubes that you shook up. I don't really remember. I don't know if I would that. consider that a board game. But I I used to play yeah, Boggle. I, I I would I would say Boggle is. Uh, yeah. yeah that's a pretty it's good a hybrid. game i guess yeah. it's a hybrid yeah <laughs> um and i guess my number number one at least like it'll probably sound familiar uh it's a, a marvel 
it's called Marvel Champions. So it's uh, with the Marvel superheroes, um, and essentially is a card game where you take on the role of a of a Marvel superhero, and you're working with uh, your. You know, it's it's like a co-op game where you're working with your partner uh, to defeat a villain. So there are a lot of uh, cool heroes that you can play with that come with different decks. Like Captain America has like leadership cards because he's like one of the leaders of the Avengers and everything like that. A uh, Black Widow has one that's like a es- more espionage like, so it's very thematic. Okay. I'm a huge uh, Marvel Marvel fan. Love all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So the fact that there's a game that uh, allows me to really tap into my superhero nerdiness. It's a, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. And I may need a little bit of time to come up with the next one. So, okay. Hmm. <laughs> uh, is Jenga considered a board game? I don't think so. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. But, like, I feel like people call, like, Cards Against Humanity is considered a board game. Like, it, it doesn't need to necessarily be a board. <sighs> yeah. Jenga's kind of like a... It's like a... It's like a different... It's like a different equivalent of Cards Against Humanity or, or those sorts of games. Yeah. Because... Like, like, Scategories isn't a board game. Catchphrase right, isn't a board mm. game. Let's go with another classic. Shoots and Ladders. Okay, yeah, that's... And that was my one of my favorites as a kid. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. Man. Love that one as a kid. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's a good one. Shoots and ladders. I remember that one. And all the ones that you mentioned, Trouble Candyland, are cheesy. I'm trying to think if there are any others. My parents love Trivial Pursuit, but I hate I hate ones that make me think like too much. I like to be immersed yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh in whatever I'm playing now. Um but yeah, I always I mean, the funny thing is, like, I, I never, I used to be very anti-board game. I didn't, like, I didn't like thinking to, you know, it's just like, I want to have fun, you know, I, I don't right. want to have to think to have fun, you know, all those general stupid things to say, but, uh, you yeah, know, they're a lot of fun, and I was very wrong about uh, how fun it could be. <laughs> I, I do, I, I agree that board games are, are fun, Um but yeah, unfortunately, I don't do them a whole lot. Um, I don't know really why, but um, every you know every once in a while, we'll break them out. As, especially with with my nephew, um, he enjoys them quite quite yeah. frequently. So, um, but yeah, all right. So, um, where can the listeners find you on social media, Brandon? Um, so I'm on Twitter at bapter223. Um, it's pretty, pretty boring Twitter over there. Um, you know, a lot of bad sports takes. As I mentioned earlier, I have the Sixers podcast on Twitter. That's at garbage into gold. And, uh, we, in the off season, I'll probably do an episode every couple weeks. Uh, probably take a little bit of a break right now after, after everything that's transpired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's really it. Uh, not on YouTube or anything. And, um i'm most i'm most active on on twitter yeah same same here um so i know you've listened to a couple episodes and you know that we end with the same question every week 
during your minor league baseball career, what has been your favorite walk-up song, and whose was it? Um, there are a lot of them, but there's one that sticks out above the rest. He's an Orioles prospect named Garabaz Rosa, and um, he had a walk-up song that I actually downloaded to my Spotify. It was like half... Uh, his, it was half in Spanish and half not in Spanish. Okay. Uh, and it was just called Love My Life. And he just looked like such a joyful guy. Like it was like the, the song perfectly embodied him as a person. Okay. And uh, I think he made the major leagues for like a short while. But Ooh. that one, and then there were always some really weird ones that you see. But uh, that that's the one that sticks out the most because he'd be like rounding third base with a smile. And I'd always just be thinking... Like singing a song in my head. So Yeah. Um Yeah. All right, perfect, man. Well thank you so much for coming on to the Pulling Tart Podcast, Brandon. I really appreciate it. Um yeah, just thank you so much and thank you for taking the time out of your evening. I know this was a this was a tough day for, for both <laughs> of us. Um I, I did not wake up on the right side of the bed, I, I feel um, everything got on my nerves, and I and I, I will blame that on the Sixers last night. Yeah, yeah, I felt relief last night, but I feel like today the depression set in a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, now I have to do actual, like, life stuff yeah. every few nights. Yep, yep, <laughs> so. exactly. Well, again, man, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a good time. I love my life. 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 No, no, we don't know when tomorrow might bring God the future, the hours away. So me, I live my life today. Well, me, I live my life today. Yeah. So love me, make me talk, what my want for talk, me have nothing to say. So me, go live my life today. Well, me, go live my life today. So everybody else to sing it out. Ooh, ooh, I love my life. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Leg Media. Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.